Hey Rockers, we're back with episode three of Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast. It's good to be here, Seth. It's good to be with you, man. Sitting beside me is my co-host, the Dean of Rock You, Matt Black. And right over here is Seth Hinckley, drummer in our Rock You adult band, drum student, and podcast engineer extraordinaire. <laughs> Thanks, man. Just want to thank all of you for listening to our um our first episode, we want to thank all three of you. Uh, no, in fact, I haven't checked the analytics. I don't know how many people have downloaded. Let me just check right. Oh, six billion. That's amazing. That's uh, that's crazy. That's almost the entire earth. I think it probably many people just downloaded it on all their devices just to make sure they had it wherever they went. Well, hopefully we're we're in Nepal and you know oh, some I, other great places that are really it. far out. You it's know, good stuff. That's good. It is good stuff. So for our long segment today. We're going to be talking about long songs. So Matt and I have picked our top five songs that are over seven minutes. Well, mostly over I'll, seven minutes. I'll I'm give myself give, the extra seconds I want. I, I think Matt's going to take a mulligan on the seven minute deal on and one of his songs. But there's uh, a version out there, I'm sure. There's probably a live version out there somewhere that that might, might qualify you. We didn't have any real like limitations. You can use a live cut. You can use uh, a studio cut. If there's a studio song that is almost seven minutes, but you know that there's a live cut out there, we'll uh, we'll give that to each other. Are you? Uh, how about we start now? Or did you rank yours at all? Didn't rank them. Just put them in a list. Did you put them in an order of no how order. much time? No, okay. but I could do that. I, I did mine from shortest to longest. All right, I'll do the same. Okay, all right. So I'll start. So my number five song is Twilight Zone by Golden Earring off the album Cut. Now, I know that there are people that are going to say, no, dude, that song's only like four minutes long. That's the radio edit, the single version. If you actually got the album version and listened to it, it's almost eight minutes long. I think it's like 7.55 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Made, that made my list too. Didn't make my top five, but it oh, did make wow. my list of songs list? I was thinking about. Yeah. That's and awesome. Another, band by the, another song by the same band, Radar Love, also over seven minutes. Radar Love is a yeah. great song. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I am a, a, Twilight Zone is just one of my favorite Love songs it. from them. And I, I actually have tried to play along with it. <laughs> and it's, man, that's a workout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's a great band. Underappreciated band these days. And it's Canadian, so... Are they Canadian? I thought they were Dutch. Are they Dutch? I thought they were Dutch. Well, Maybe they are. I don't know. We'll have to do a little fact-checking. We'll just get the fact-checking elves in the podcast team over here to uh, check out whether (laughs) Golden Earring is Canadian or Dutch, or both, maybe. Who knows? (laughs) We'll have to look that up. All right, so what's what's your number five? All right, my shortest of my five long songs... Checks it at just under seven minutes, but I did find a YouTube version that says official audio that's a little over seven minutes, so I'm going to give it to myself. And <laughs> I, won't, I won't dock you for that. <laughs> that's Rock Lobster by the B-52s. Oh, nice one. Once again, there is a, a radio edit, which is a little shorter, but you got to listen to the full version because it's got all the goodies in there. Rock Lobster could be one of the funnest songs ever just to rock out to. Uh, B-52s are a great band and they don't sound like anybody else. If you don't know Rock Lobster, if you've been living under a rock, get it, for the last <laughs> 25, 30 years, go check out Rock Lobster and go check out the B-52s. Such a great a great Georgia band. They're an Athens, yeah. Georgia band. Yeah. And they have connections with uh, R.E.M. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Kate, what's her last Kate name? Kate Pearson, I think. Pearson, I yeah. Pearson. Kate Pearson. Yeah. 
uh, actually sang on uh, Shiny Happy People by R.E.M. because of that Athens connection. So Cool. Yeah. What do you got? Okay, so number four for me is The Bird by Morris Day and The Time Man, on the album Ice Cream Castle. I know the band and I know the album, but I don't it's, know the song. It's it's an amazing song. It's so much fun. It's it's a it's a really fun funk rock dance tune that is just most people know Jungle Love, which is yeah. also a good long song on that record, but go go listen to the bird. It's it's a real get up and dance song. Cool. I'm definitely gonna check that out. It's a good one. Yeah, I love Morris Day in the time. All right, you ready for my number two? Number two. Or five, four, whatever. Four. Whatever. How yeah, you're on number this? four. All right, so we're counting back. Okay. <laughs> I got another song where the studio version is just under seven minutes, but this time I have a better excuse to include it because in my mind, the definitive version of this song is actually a live version that appears on a live album, a wide release live album, not a bootleg tape or anything like that, uh, at seven minutes and 15 seconds. And that's Captain Jack by Billy Joel. And those of you who grew up in the 80s, like Seth and I did, it it may just be the case that Billy Joel is the soundtrack to your teenage angsty life. It certainly was for mine. And Captain Jack is a departure. If you think of Billy Joel as someone who doesn't have too much of an edge to him, Captain Jack's got a little bit of an edge. And, uh, you know, it's got some lyrics I can't share here with you on our family-friendly podcast, but uh, it's... Is, is there a, is there a uh, version that's uh, Tipper Gore I, I don't believe there's a I don't believe there's a G-rated version in existence. I, I don't, okay. I, when, when this was on FM radio in the 80s and 90s, they played the whole thing because they could do that. It's a great song, and it's just got a chorus that will just lift you out of your seat. Okay, so my number three on the long songs clocks in at eight minutes and one second on the studio version and it's voodoo child slight return by stevie ray vaughn now i think that the Jimi hendrix original is not near as long as that i think it's like a five minute if i remember right but stevie made it his his blues loving self own on that record it's yes it's a cover but it holds its own i won't say that it's more a a definitive version but it's a great song great record great soulful blues guitar playing that uh is near and dear to my texas soul (laughs) i saw him play live in 1988 and he played three hours didn't talk between songs didn't take a break just played three hours on stage at the end he said thank you and walked off that was it yeah for those of you who weren't alive before 1990 go look up on youtube austin city limits and look up uh just look up stevie ray vaughn and pick any of the three or four times that he was on austin city limits watch those shows uh the other the other one you should look up is the montreux jazz festival Mm -hmm. from i want to say 1983 which actually is where after playing years and years in Dallas and Austin in Texas without getting a recording contract, he went to, he uh, got invited to Montreux, got a real recording deal with, uh, I forget the the record company that he got it through, but David Bowie saw him there hmm. and got him, asked him to play on play Let's on Dance. Let's Dance, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, so what's your number three? My number three is another one for you people about my age, because you probably, I think it probably came out in the 70s, but you certainly heard it on the radio a lot in the 80s. And I know some people to this day, when this song is played at a party or in any kind of setting, they will get up and sing the whole thing. It's Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. And oh, it wow. Is a, 
It is a multi-part song. I think there's three or maybe four distinct musical sections. There's a cameo by Phil Rizzuto, who was a Hall of Famer on Phil the Yankees. Phil Rizzuto? Yep. He does the a play-by-play. Play. Oh, you the shortstop, exactly. He does a play-by-play play in the middle section, I guess you'd call it. Uh, I can't really explain how that works, but um, it's, a, <laughs> it's also a duet between a, a male and a female character. And I've been in a lot of places where uh, the room will just divide, and all the women go to one half of the room, and all the men go to the other half of the room, and they sing the... The outro back and forth to each other. It's it's a phenomenal <laughs> song. It's really one of a kind. There's nothing else quite like it. And just a quick shout out to Mr. Loaf, who is a resident of uh, my wife's hometown, Weston, Connecticut. Oh, wow. Or at least he was. Well, he might still be. I think he still is. Oh, cool. Okay, so my number two song is an instrumental. I had no doubt it would be. <laughs> <laughs> it's La Via Strangiato by Rush. It's on Hemispheres, and it clocks in at 9 minutes and 35 seconds. It's got some amazing guitar work. It's got some amazing bass work, and obviously it's got amazing drum work because of the here. The song is, is not something that was written just as one of their normal songs. Alex Lifeson wrote this song to deal with some dreams that he was having uh, before they were recording this album, he just sat down with his guitar and started writing these different parts for different parts of his dream. And then they stitched them together. Uh, and this nine minute and 35 second song, they couldn't record the entire song in one go because it was so complicated. They tried it and they couldn't get it. If it's too complicated for Rush, that's really saying something. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a number of live versions, but the 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 version on Hemispheres is the one that has the entirety of the song on it with all the the portions. It's not parsed out like say 2112 or Cygnus X1 uh, on their on some of their other records. But um, if you go listen to La Via Strangiato. And you'll hear just some amazing musicianship. It's just such a, a great, great song. Wouldn't be an episode of Extra Credit without Seth geeking out to some Rush here. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's All right. your number well, two? Well, both of my top, my, my longest two songs are a little over 10 minutes. And I was this is actually the longest one. But since you did an instrumental, I'll counter with an instrumental. Okay. You might have noticed that I'm wearing my Funkadelic Maggot Brain t-shirt. And I forgot to ask you about That's your, right. I told your you Funkadelic I'd bring it up. t-shirt. So uh, my number four song is Maggot Brain, which is similarly an instrumental. Although there is a little voiceover in the beginning which is kind of strange but it's really it's not sung and maggot brain is a departure for funkadelic uh um, yeah it's it really is an amazing amazing song but really what it is is a 10 minute long guitar solo um it's repeating over the same four chords on loop and um the guitarist is a really underappreciated guitarist named eddie hazel um and uh, George Clinton told Eddie Hazel before he recorded, said, just imagine someone just told you your mother died. And he then played this solo with distortion and wah and uh, uh, all kinds of reverb. And it just sounds like a 10-minute wail of pain. And I don't think there's I, – I challenge anyone to find an example of guitar playing that's more expressive than what you hear Eddie Hazel play on Maggot Brain. It's an impressive tour de force. Powerful. Him. Yeah. For sure. 
And since you brought up your shirt, and I did bring up a Rush song, mine that I'm wearing today is uh, one of the, not the actual shirt that Neil wore during their last tour in 2015, but it's uh, a representation of one of the shirts that he wore with uh, some of the symbols that were on his drum kit that referenced uh, some of the albums. So very cool shirt. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Oh, you want you going to tell us what the symbols are? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Neil had a bunch of symbols all over his drum kit for that tour that were references to albums. So the the three that are on this shirt, and this is the only one that he had three on, was Presto, uh, Counterparts with the, the nut and the bolt, and uh, Roll the Bones with the skull on it. All right, so my number one long song is on i think this album is still the best-selling live album of all time i could it used to be uh but i'm not sure if it still is it might still be as do you feel like we do by peter frampton on frampton comes alive clocking in at 14 minutes and 16 seconds the uh i think the original was only like six minutes long but the jam on this uh Bob Mann on the keyboards and Peter on the guitar and just uh, the the t- the way he uses the talk box and gets the crowd going nuts with the talk box when he does that the do you feel like I do you know that's uh, just such an amazing song and the jam that goes at the end like the last the last two two and a half minutes is just amazing because they all just launch into it uh, and every one of them is just playing as as well as they can play with as much you know strength and fortitude and oomph and it's just uh, such a great song such a great song it's pretty amazing talk boxes are cool talk boxes are cool uh, allegedly it's Joe Walsh came up with something like wow, that. I, I don't know. That. I don't know. Cool. I heard a story that Joe Walsh actually came up with putting that together with like a, a pool speaker and the, the surgical tubing. I don't know who came up <laughs> with it, but dude, that great invention. Have, how to have your guitar talk. That's just amazing. All right. I'm going to do mine. And uh, this is actually a little callback to our last episode. I'm going to go with All Too Well by Taylor Swift, Taylor's version. And this oh, song, cool. it comes in at over 10 minutes. I think it's 10 minutes and 12 seconds. And uh, it's got, there's so much to unpack in this song. First of all, you've got the business aspects, with, which Seth discussed last time. Then you've got the sort of the personal and power dynamics aspects. There's a whole backstory to why she wrote this song, who she's referring to in the song, what it means today that she's singing the song when she's actually uh, singing about feeling... Um, not necessarily abused, but not treated well by this more powerful, more influential person. But now she's unquestionably the more powerful, more influential person. Yeah. Um, but what this song is, what the reason why I'm keeping it on my list or putting it on the top of my list is because this is basically a 10-minute song with the same four chords over and over again. There's not a lot of musical complexity in it. But what there is a lot of is emotional complexity. And she takes you through the range. Of course, it's a breakup song as Taylor Swift. She takes you through the complete range of emotions from the beginning of the relationship to the breakup of the relationship to the aftermath to how she's feeling about it now. Uh, Of course, she wrote the song a while ago, but I think 10 years ago at least. But, um, but, you know, she clearly still feels it. You can hear it in her voice. And this is just – I can't think of a better demonstration of an old saying in rock and roll, which uh, is actually said about country music by a country musician named Harlan Howard, but it applies to rock and roll too. Uh, Rock and roll, you can define rock and roll as three chords and the truth. 
And Taylor yeah. is telling her truth, and you can hear it in every note she sings. I know she's got a lot of critics out there who don't think she sounds very sincere. I don't know what they're talking about. It sounds amazing to me. And there's she's, she did a sort of a low-key sad version, too, which is very cool. And, of course, there's the uh, live version that she sang on SNL. Um, the fact that she's got the the power and influence and self-determination now to be able to say, you know what? I don't care what a producer or a record label is telling me. I'm going to record a 10-minute song that just has the same four chords over and over again. Take it or leave it. Well, I think most people will take it. I certainly will. While Taylor Swift is not normally my cup of tea, I have a great deal of respect for her. Absolutely. Uh, especially especially uh, because of her ability to stand up to record companies that were literally taking everything away. They were, they were just making money off of her work. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Even if you don't like her music, you got to respect her and she's, she's pretty phenomenal. Cool. I can't believe we got through a list of top 10, uh, long songs over seven minutes with no mention of Freebird, no mention of Layla, no mention of Stairway to Heaven. I got to tell you, I'm a bit relieved. No, no. Well, you're relieved that there was no Led Zeppelin on here, I feel yeah, sure. Yeah, that's true. It could have been plenty uh, yeah, of Led we, Zeppelin. Yeah, we didn't talk about uh, Shine On You, Crazy Diamond. Oh my goodness, the obvious, 13 minutes plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah 13. Well, that, yeah. And that's just parts one through that's five. One through and five. then if you, add, if you add in the, the following parts six through 10, I think that's that you, I think you get in into like another nine minutes or something like that. Uh, Roundabout by Yes. Uh, Won't Get Fooled Again, Cashmere, You Said Stairway to Heaven, One yeah. by Metallica, Clocks In at yeah. a little over seven Most minutes. Most of these songs shouldn't be that long. <laughs> yeah. and but I, but I discovered a little bit, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, one of my favorite albums. I just never noticed four of the songs are about seven minutes or longer out of, I think, only seven on the album. It's fun, uh, a total Yeah, Mark Knopfler makes some long songs. Like, yeah, for sure. I don't know exactly how long Industrial Disease is. It's That's my favorite Dire Straits song. Yeah. But uh, uh, one one that I thought you were going to pull out, but you didn't, was Purple Rain. I thought oh, you were going to sure. go Purple Rain for Prince. Yeah, it's one of my favorite, favorite songs, but the, uh, the definitive version has, I don't know, it's at least a good two minutes of just keyboard outro, and I, it's beautiful, but if you take that out, I think it's, un, uh, it's well under six minutes. Yeah, but so. it's, uh, it's in the recording. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I know. I could have used it. Te- it's one of my favorites. Technically, you'd be correct, and, that's, would and as a lawyer, that's the best kind of could correct. Have, <laughs> I could have used that one. That was a, Let's call that an oversight. All right, this is a message for our teen rockers out there. If you like learning about the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast, you should join us on Friday, January 21st at the American Library in Paris for Rock You Teen Night. We're going to be doing rock trivia games, a couple other uh, quizzes, some listening quizzes. Come and show us what you got. The program is free for American Library in Paris members. You can find out more at their website or at ours, www.rock-u.fr. So we're back, and we're going to talk about how to find music that you like that's new to you by looking at the artists that you like and looking at their influences. Because most likely, if you find something that influenced an artist you like, that's going to be also something you like. So I've, I've always enjoyed going through and being like, wow, who did these guys listen to? Who did who did you know uh, who did Van Halen listen to? Where did Eddie get these crazy ideas that he could go do this stuff? And 
after watching a few Eddie Van Halen videos on YouTube, you're like, man, that guy was just crazy creative. And he just decided (laughs) I want to have a sound like this and made his own guitar. But Eddie influenced so many other people, uh, you know, like, uh, think of, think of any guitar virtuoso that came after him, like, uh, names like Yngwie Malmsteen. I mean, people that, uh, looked and were like, man, I've got to figure out how to do that tapping thing, or I've got to figure out how he got that sound out of his guitar. So that's, uh, that's one way to go find new music new to you that uh, you probably are going to enjoy and can broaden. If you're looking for new music, this is one of the multiple ways that you can do that. Matt's got an example or two, I think. Just one for today. I could probably come up with more, but yeah, I was going to talk about Nirvana. Everybody knows Nirvana. Um, oh yeah, man. <laughs> if you don't I know hope, Nirvana, yeah. how, how did you get to rock you? That's well, I hope everybody likes Nirvana too. I love Nirvana, but uh, Nirvana had their own influences. And when they changed the, the way music was played and listened to in the 90s, they, weren't, they, were, they were borrowing plenty from other artists that they liked a lot. And I'm going to mention two in particular. Uh, the first is Pixies. Technically, Pixies, not the Pixies. And led pixies, by Pixies, but not the Pixies. That's right. Yeah. Led by another ball guy like us. Oh, Black, yeah. Black Francis. Uh, Black Francis. His real name Frank is Frank Black. Black. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Kurt Cobain talked about how influential the Pixies were on his sound. One of the things that Nirvana is really, really well known for is the choruses, excuse me, the verses are really quiet, set the stage, set you up for the chorus, which just melts your which face. Which is a banger, yeah. Exactly. And that's something you can see in a lot of music before Nirvana, like the Pixies. Like, think about Where Is My Mind is probably yeah. their biggest hit. Yeah. Plenty of other things, too, like the police. But we'll talk about the police another time, I'm sure. Uh, many, many times. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, another, another influence, another one of Kurt's favorite bands is a band called the Meat Puppets. And Meat Puppets... Yeah weren't really well known until Nirvana brought them on stage to play in the Unplugged show and played some of their songs, or at least brought a couple of them up. And I think uh, if you listen to one of their songs like Backwater, which is their biggest hit, you'll hear this mix of really rough, gritty textures with really sweet melodies. And that's something that Kurt Cobain did so well. That's what makes Nirvana Nirvana. So those are two. You can also go back and listen to the Gang of Four and the Melvins. These are bands that Kurt has Kurt identified as big influences on him. But Pixies and the Meat Puppets. If you like Nirvana, go check them out. Sunday, 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 February 6th, we're turning the basement of Belushi's Garden Ward into a giant mosh pit. That's right, the Rock You Adult Band concert is coming. For more information, go to rock-u.fr. All right, we're back, and we're going to do another one-minute matchup. Matt, you got the you got I'm the stopwatch stop ready? ready? Hold on a second. Okay, here we go. And stopwatch when you're ready. All right, so we're doing first. we're doing Nirvana versus Pearl Jam, and since you're the Nirvana guy, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, I get to go first this time. You get do to I? go Here's first. The stopwatch. Here we go. Ready, set. You're on the clock. Okay, Nirvana versus Pearl Jam is a lot like our Beatles versus Stones one minute matchup in episode <laughs> one in some ways. Uh, you got one band that's extremely prolific and another band that didn't put out too many studio albums. Nirvana only had three studio albums, and really only two of them matter, In Utero and Nevermind. Uh, you've got one band with a very distinctive lead singer's voice that you either love or hate, and one band with, well, let's just 
put a little more musical uh, lead singer there. That's Kurt Cobain, of course. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't want to run out of time, so I'm going to continue. Um, but the the what makes Nirvana like the Beatles and what makes Pearl Jam like the Rolling Stones is you may love Pearl, Pearl Jam, but Nirvana is a transformational band. They only put out two studio albums and all music that followed it was different. And what's great about Nirvana is you've got the this power and energy from the three principal guys, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Nova, Chris Novoselic, and Dave Grohl. But you could play those songs in any genre with any instruments, and they're going to sound great. There's your minute. Minute two. Now, All right. I'm going to see if I can plow through this uh, within a minute, and it's going to be hard. But... Ready? I'm ready when you are. Set, go. Here you are. All right. Eddie Vedder's voice, I'm sorry, is so much better than Kurt Cobain's, <laughs> in my opinion. His, If you listen to Pearl Jam's version of Love, Rain, or Me, just gut-wrenchingly awesome. 10 is one of the best debut albums of all time, front to back. That's another all-killer, no-filler, no-skip. Uh, Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament write some amazing songs. Alive, Even Flow, Jeremy, Rearview Mirror, Elderly Woman, Behind the Counter in a Small Town. Longest uh, title of any great song ever. Um, Better Man, Yellow Lab Better, Wishlist, The Fixer. Uh, and the members of Pearl Jam worked with Temple of the Dog, which is another great grunge band out of Seattle. But the reason I like Pearl Jam better than Nirvana was they fought Ticketmaster. <laughs> they fought to keep those large charges away. They uh, they filed an antitrust complaint with uh, the U.S. government. They didn't use Ticketmaster, which had a virtual monopoly on tickets in the U.S., and I know I'm a little over, uh, 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 until 2020 when Live Nation actually bought Ticketmaster and Live Nation gave in and said, we're... Uh, we're going to work with Pearl Jam about what they want about not charging fans so much. So I'm at a minute 20. You're a minute 21. That's, oh, not, that's not terrible. That's not terrible. That's not terrible. But, uh, you know, if the light had gone off, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have been uh, still arguing in front of the three-judge panel. Exactly, but, yeah. You know. They would have they gotten the hook there. So, no, listen, I, I, you said Eddie Vedder's voice is better. I... I I don't I like think Eddie Vedder's it's, voice. It's, it's a, a personal, personal thing. thing. Exactly. It's totally a personal thing. It's like thing. Mick Jagger's voice. Some people like that voice. Some people don't. I don't I don't dislike him strongly, but I just don't love his voice. And Pearl Jam all sounds kind of the same to me. They they are really good at what they do. I know I'm not they have more range than the Rolling Stones, but they're really good at what they do. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, again, like the the chord progressions, the melodies, the dynamics in a Nirvana song, you can play them with an orchestra. You can play yeah. them with a jazz combo. You can play them acapella with a bongo. And it's all going <laughs> to sound like a Nirvana song. It's going to sound beautiful. Think about lithium. Like, think about the chord progression in lithium played by, let's say, a jazz pianist. That's going to sound amazing. Uh, I've got I've to say, yeah, yeah, the music's good. But lyrically, uh, I think Pearl Jam blows Nirvana out of the water. A mosquito, my libido, versus songs like Jeremy or Garden well. or Wishlist or <laughs> The Fixer, All and I <laughs> and you know the the angst the angsty part of grunge, uh, you know, alive being all about Eddie Vedder's life as a kid and losing his dad and his mom didn't tell him when he died. I mean, I don't know the backstory. I'll have to look that up. He, yeah. uh, you know, processing things through his music. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, 
I like both bands. I really do. I do too. I like Pearl Jam. I just like Pearl Jam better. Uh, I'm. I tend to be. My wife tells me that I'm the lyrics guy. She's like, I was I gonna like, say, I like music because of the music, and I'm like, yeah, I like music because of the music too. I mean, that's that's why I like Rush. That's why I like yeah. Yes. That's why I like some of the bands that are you know more prog rock. Uh, uh, why I like Genesis, the earlier stuff. Uh, but you know, uh, yes, I I. There's there's the lyrical side to my brain that tells me you know the words mean a lot too. Seth, you're so literal. You're so I, literal. I, I, yeah, you, I, can I can't be. let your I can't let your you know Pearl Jam has got better lyrics than Nirvana. Challenge go unanswered. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of Kurt Cobain's lyrics are nonsense, but they're expressive nonsense. Um, he might have learned that from a, a a man you might have heard of named John Lennon, who wrote entire <laughs> songs of gibberish, but they were perfect for the music, and you knew exactly what he was talking about with Lennon and Cobain. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just like to be more literal. I guess Fair that's enough. I guess that's why I ended up going to law that's school. Why, <laughs> well, that's why we have these one minute matchups. I know, I know. Hey Matt, tell us about our sponsor for today. We are very happy to be sponsored today by Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble is your one stop recording shop for all Anglophone music in Paris, any level, any style. You can hear their first release, Posture, by former Rock U student Person M, out now on all major streaming platforms. Extra Credit, the Rock U podcast, is a production of Rock U. Expertly engineered and recorded by my good friend Seth Hinkley. And our theme music is written and produced by Tom Walters. Rock U is a nonprofit association, Loi 1901, and we'll see you next time.